Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Holy moly! Man, woman, and child in that bottom of the aisles. Johnny the Jet Riders just for a moose of their shoe. Oh, they don't have him yet? Look at Tommy Frazier. How many tackles can one man break? Touchdown. What's going on, Husker fans? Welcome back to Believe in Nebraska Football on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Casacho. While it is good to be back after a week off for the bye, geez, is it tough to come back to that Purdue game? The Huskers fell to Purdue after leading at halftime and and just an, an atrocious second half of play for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And things are really slipping through the cracks here, slipping through the through our fingers in in terms of this being any kind of a season to feel good about or to feel like there's any progress being made. It's a lost season. Um, there's no doubt about that at this point. Um, it's been it's been kind of a weird ride the whole the whole thing from the, the from the jump from a week zero, zero Illinois game that that just was baffling to the special teams play and and some really how many one point you know one score losses are there this year I think all of them I think every single game is a one point loss for the Huskers this year um, and that's tough that's tough to swallow it feels like they're close. It felt like it, you know, it fe- I think something changed this weekend. It felt like they were close and this kind of opened it to be like, well, I mean, cause it almost sounds like when they say like they're close, they're so close. One play goes a little this way or that way. You know, it's almost like, sounds like it's bad luck. It's not bad luck. You know, you don't get hit by lightning every single week. Um, but before we dive into all the things that this, this, this game meant, and where we're at, you know, in the season, we'll go into what went wrong here this past weekend versus Purdue. Now, to me, this game came down to two things. I've talked about this um, a lot in the previous episodes. Um, the team kind of goes as far as Adrian Martinez carries us. Uh, obviously, the four turnovers, the four interceptions. He had three interceptions all season before today. One of them was positive yardage for the Huskers against Oklahoma on a fourth down play. He had more interceptions in one game than he had had the entire season. So that, I mean, that'll do it right there. Um, and you're getting outplayed by the other quarterback, obviously, because it wasn't just the interceptions. It was, he was, you know, completed about half of his passes. Um, and just, just wasn't good enough in any way on that front. Um, the other thing outside of Martinez's play was just the time of possession, um, the amount of third downs we allowed them to convert, and just the yeah, I mean it was they they ran about thirty more plays than the Huskers' offensive plays. It was eighty six. Uh, Purdue ran eighty six plays, and the Huskers ran fifty four. Um, Purdue had the ball for thirty eight minutes, and the Huskers had it for seventeen. I mean, this is the you're not going to win games with that being the you know the time of possession. Um, you know, Aiden O'Connell. 34 for 45 passing. Um, it just, it, it, 
that compared to Martinez's four interceptions, completing half of his passes, none, none of that was going to to turn turn well. And and it and it didn't look that way initially. Initially, the Huskers came out and got a stop, went down the field, scored a touchdown. I mean, it just felt like we were going to be able to do it. We got the ball back. We were starting to drive again, and and Martinez just kind of just threw. Probably, I mean, it was the worst play. To me, it was the worst play of the game. It was the play that changed the game. Because we were driving down what looked like we're going to go up, you know, we're going to score again at least, make it 10-0, to 14-0. And it just didn't – he threw a, a pick to a guy, I mean, just standing right there. Clearly just didn't see him. Pick six. And all of a sudden it's a tie game. Um, and I knew then I was just like, you let him back in. You let him back in. And there were still opportunities to, to, to take the game away, and they and they didn't do that. Um, another huge miss by Martinez is missing uh, Samari Toure after the, the the black shirts got a stop. We're up, you know, seventeen to fourteen, and uh, yeah, the it, the, the black shirts come up with a fourth down stop, get the ball back with twenty minutes left, and Samari Toure is wide open on the first play for a touchdown. Just why they clearly, you know what I mean? We talk about the scheme. This is the kind of stuff where it's like literally like that's the only thing they can't do. Don't let them throw a touchdown right now. There's only 20 seconds left in the half and we're wide open for a touchdown. That means we're schemed. You know, he's schemed open. He's, he's got about five yards on the guy and just overthrew him. You know, it, it, that that's a completely game changing play. You have the opportunity to be up. 24 to 14, getting the ball back in the second half. Um, and instead you, you miss it. You end up getting nothing out of it and you end up completely collapsing in the second half and having one score, you know, kind of when the game was already pretty out of sight, this is, you know, it's, I don't know where, where that came from. I mean, we were winning at halftime. I don't, I don't know how they completely fell apart like that. I think it probably has to do with a couple things. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that Martinez is, you know, the, the two games that he's had outside of the Illinois game, right? Like the Illinois game was poor. He played poorly. He got outperformed. The only other games that he's been outperformed by the quarterback that he's playing against, and he's played some good quarterbacks here, you know, is this past week against Purdue and the week, you know, before the bye against Minnesota. So, I don't think there's any coincidence that that happens to be the games that, you know, we're out Prohaska. You know, I think that we had to go back to Ben Hart and then we've had some struggling. I I don't want to blame all of it on that because the truth is that you also have the second half of the Michigan game where that was the case. And you also had the Michigan state game and the Oklahoma game. I I don't know why Martinez is struggling, has had, you know, poor performances the last two games. But yeah, they, it's a huge, huge piece to why the Huskers have lost those, these two games. Um, I came on this podcast after the Michigan game and kind of provided what I thought was kind of a moment, a turning, even in the loss, I felt like it was a turning point for the program. I felt like I was watching them play the best football I've seen them play since like Bo, since Bo Pelini was here. Um, and I felt, you know, I felt like I had kind of talked about that, that, that I had talked earlier in the season about 
people wondering about Frost after three years and going into the fourth years, this is kind of a make it or break it year for him. And I kind of felt like, despite the record, that the call had been answered after the Michigan game. Well, after the Minnesota game and after the Purdue game, I think that obviously that question has been opened up again about whether or not this is going to be um, if this is going to be Scott's last year here, or if if um you know if if it's ever going to work out, even if he gets another opportunity, if he's the right guy effectively is he is Scott the right guy to turn this around and I think it's a really difficult question um I did not see this coming I did not see based on the way they had played against Michigan State I mean we with the rankings have come out this week Michigan State's the number three team in the country according to the college football playoff committee and we had no business losing to them on the road at night how you how we've gone from that to just completely blowing a game against Purdue after blowing a game against Minnesota. I don't know how you do that. It's I, I, I think you're kind of left scratching your head. The one thing that is certain is that we're losing. That's the only thing that's certain. Everything else feels very kind of wishy, like very ambiguous in a lot of ways. Like what, what am I supposed to take from what I'm seeing? Like, there's no question that they're playing better football than they played last year, and they played the year before that. And if you look at how much progress they've made from when, you know, we were playing Michigan in Scott's first year, they're like night and day better. It's not even close that they've this team has made an improvement. But somehow, this team is going to lose more Big Ten games this year outside of barring a miracle here in the final three games they're going to lose more Big Ten games, conference games, than they won, than they lost last year. Like, they're going to win less games in the Big Ten than they did last year. That's uh, How is that possible? You're talking about a team that only won, th- we only won three games last year. We got one win right now? Against Northwestern? That's it? What I really thought, I sat there after the Purdue game thinking to myself, I was like, what if, what if we didn't win that game? I mean, I'm like, you, am I really looking at a team that was is one win away from being winless in the conference? I can't believe that. And that that has to matter. I mean, at the end of the day, it has to be to some degree about the wins and losses. And I think that's why, you know, I'm not the only one that knows that. Every, you know, talking head or writer in the Nebraska football media sphere has taken the opportunity this week to come out and talk about what they think. It's clearly this big, profound, existential moment for the program and for Scott Frost's coaching time here in Lincoln. So, I mean, let's take a look at it. It's the, it's the To be honest, completely honest, it's the first time, this, after the Purdue loss, the first time that I have considered that maybe we that maybe Scott Frost isn't going to work out. Maybe he's not going to keep his job. Mostly not like whether or not I believe in Scott Frost or not. It's a question of I'm like I don't know how you keep your job if you lose every single game. We're, we're talking about one. You know you, you can't just be point. We can't be pointing to Fordham and to Buffalo as the wins for the year. And we're effect. That's effectively where we're at. Outside of a of a blowout win of Northwestern, which felt great. I mean, that was awesome. 
there needed to be more of those. I mean, there needed to be more wins against North teams. Like, there has to be more wins against a team like Northwestern. I think any coach in the Big Ten, regardless, not forget the fact that it's Nebraska and the amount of stock that we put into our football program. It, it Any team in the Big Ten, you couldn't just, I mean, there's a limited amount of times that you could just lose every single Big Ten game and keep your job. It's not very many, you know. What I mean, it's not going to be that. That's not going to work forever. So, I you got to think about it. It, it, you know, I I kind of talked about it before. Scott said the same thing in his press conference. You know, I think that's that that's the key. Is are they has there has progress been made despite there not being progress in the wind department? Yeah, you watch the games. Um, I watch everything. Uh, there's no doubt we're better. Um, just haven't got it over the hump yet, and we'll keep working to get that done. I mean, he said it. There's clearly been progress. But I think the question here is that is that progress enough in year four to keep a coach around? I mean, it wasn't enough for Riley. I know I wanted him to go. And that doesn't mean that I want that I'm saying I want Scott to go today, but or you know what? I, yeah, I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that in a vacuum, four years into the job, the team's losing more games than they than they're winning. I mean, that's just that's that they that they won the year before. Everyone was beyond disappointed with year three, and now we're looking at we're staring down the barrel of losing more games than we did in year three. You know, in year four. What is that? Where does that leave you in terms of what, where you feel this program is going under the current leadership? I mean, I think it's also worth saying here, just to just to play devil's advocate and and to to contextualize what what's going on. The teams that we did that the Huskers played this year were at this point in the season with the first college football playoff committee coming out with a ranking. Number three, we, we we played number three within one score in Michigan State, number eight within one score in Oklahoma, and number seven within one score in Michigan. Number seven in Michigan was a three-point game. I mean, th- so clearly progress has been made. That's how, so that to me, there's there's like the almost the two there's almost two seasons. Clearly, we've made an enormous amount of progress that we could even be having that conversation. Even in the Bo Pelini era, you play teams that at this point in the season, this late in the season, are ranked that high, it's not a one-score game. We all know about the blowouts, right? So we, we got to take what we got. Those three games, progress is made, right? Then we have the other, we have three other games, to me, that stand out, and that's the Illinois game, the Minnesota game, and the Purdue game, which are representative of three, again, they're one-score losses, but three unacceptable losses in year four, given what we expect to be as Nebraska football in the Big Ten West. I just named three Big Ten West opponents who should not be ahead of Nebraska any year, in my opinion. There's there's no year that they should be ahead. Not that I don't respect Purdue or respect Minnesota. Minnesota is a different question. You know, they, They've been a stronger program. But Illinois, there's there's no reason for Illinois to be beating Nebraska, and they they've beaten us two two times, two out of the four years they've they've won. 
against us in in Frost time here. And and the fact that it happened again to start the year with a veteran team, it, it doesn't really make sense. Sure, we we are young in a lot of positions, but there were a lot of veterans on it. You have a quarterback who's like starting his 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 fourth season here. If the Huskers win those games, we're not having this conversation. If the Huskers win those games, we're six and three. Instead of three and six, go into a bowl, looking excited about the opportunity to play another top opponent because the last three times we played them, we played them, we played them close. We're excited to finish out the year with, you know, number five, Ohio State, number 22, Iowa, and number 21, Wisconsin. We're excited about getting to do that. Instead, we're looking at it because we're because at that point we already made a bowl and pro we we would have made progress, but instead we're sitting here with one Big Ten win. We lost those games, so we're effectively one and six in Big Ten play. Looking down the barrel of playing three ranked opponents to end the season, not going to be favored in any of those games. That's tough. That's tough, the idea of being, okay, we're going to be 1-9 and nine in Big Ten play this year. That's a very realistic thing. And even for, a, you know, for Frost apologists, how do you accept that? How do you accept that that's what happened this season? Sure, you, you know, you're talking about six of the, you know, six of those Big Ten opponents were, were ranked. Four of them were ranked in the top ten at this point in the season. And Iowa was at one point ranked in the top five. I mean, these are good teams. You're playing them close. Didn't bounce your way. I, you know, it's just it's not, it's not acceptable. And and Scott knows that. He knows we're close, but it, you know, he said as much in, the, in his press conference. We got to get the wins. The wins take care of everything. And um, despite all the improvement that I've seen, that hasn't improved. And. Um, you know, we've had a, a, a tough schedule and played some really good teams. Got to get them done. And we've been so close, got to get them done. And, and that's the nature of the business. I understand that. The kids understand that. Um, and we'll keep fighting every day to, to make it happen. The bottom line here is it is year four. But it hasn't gotten done. Got to get them done. It hasn't got it done. Because it's not just about the tough opponents. And those games, I mean, you're talking about playing Oklahoma. I mean, as much as if we, if the Huskers had gotten any of those three wins they should have had against Illinois, Purdue, or Minnesota, if you just found a way to not shoot yourself in the foot with horrendous special teams play and won one of the top ten opponents you'd played, you could point to that as the signature win that we've all been waiting to see in the Scott Frost era, and that would be progress enough. And you could say – you know, Minnesota's six and two. Purdue's a good team. You know, Illinois was week zero, and there could be there's some wiggle room out of this. There's, but it's hard. It's really hard when you know special teams play has been the problem that it's been, and it's just you're one and nine. You, you know, you're you're one and six in Big Ten play. That's I mean that's just that is a tough pill to swallow. So where does that leave the Husker football program? I mean, what what what's going to happen? What happens next? The, the the Scott Frost critics, guys who've wanted him gone after year three of it not working or year two of it not working. You know, some people wanted him gone after six games of it not working. 
So it's year four. It seems like they have plenty of ammunition to get him out. What with the, so what are we going to do? We have to pay Scott $20 million to get him out. And then who do we go get? Head coach of Wake Forest. Who? Somebody in the power, you know, in the group of five. I, the, the, the options aren't good. There's not, there's not really a great choice here for Nebraska, no matter what. I mean, yeah, because there's, there's legitimate problems. Like, the business is a bottom line business. The fact that they've lost this many games is not, can't be good for recruiting. It won't be good for recruiting. I mean, if you're not playing in bowl games every year, every, for four years in a row, you're not playing in a bowl game. That will hurt recruiting. That will hurt. It hurts your team, too. You're missing out on those practices four years in a row. You know, month of practice, everybody else gets that you don't get. Um, it's a it's it's a big factor. It, it really is. But this, we don't have, the, you know, I said from the beginning in camp, life is about your next best alternative. You can, you know, what what else are are we going to be able to do here? Who what does the world look like tomorrow if Scott Frost gets fired? The Husker football world, I think the world will be fine. The what does the world of Husker football look like with no Scott Frost? I mean, I can tell you the first thing that came to my mind as I, I sat watching the final seconds tick off in that Purdue game was because I because you know it's a, it's whether you agree with it or not, it's certainly something. That's in the realm where we're in that conversation now. And I sat there and thought it's a world without hope. That's, that's, that's the first thing that I thought there's no, we no longer have hope. Now, I mean, you know, not to be dramatic, but that that's just the reality. I mean, what, what is going to happen? What is the path forward? I don't see one that doesn't involve you know, Scott at this point, because I don't see someone else wanting to come coach at this school. Not that no one would want to come coach here, but like the kind of up and coming coach or someone that would be able to turn it around given the, the unique issues that face the program. I just don't see it. I don't see and I don't think we have a better next best alternative. So as much as I feel kind of weird about being accepting the fact that we're one and six this season in Big Ten play so far, probably going to go one and nine. You know, I don't like the I don't like the next. You know, I I don't see what the what other choice we have. I mean, the other problem that that the people aren't really even talking about is the second we hired Scott Frost to come here. As much as he was a player, yes, he was a player on Nebraska. He's from Nebraska. He's a huge, before he ever became a coach here, he's a huge part of the history of our program. He's a Husker hero. I mean, everybody knows about, you know, the catch against Missouri and the game against Tennessee and the national title. And I mean, it was, he was the quarterback for Tom Osborne's last year as a head coach. It, I've known about him my whole life. I, you know, in a lot of ways, hiring him as your head coach is like kind of like marrying your, you know, your best friend's sister. 
and then after four years, what are you going to try to divorce her? I mean, at the, it's an, it's going to be a messy business. How do you maintain, you know, we're going to fire Scott Frost and maintain some semblance of, you know, he's part of the Husker family. I, I don't know how you do it. I, I not that not that he's untouchable, but it certainly gives him a lot more leeway than it would give anybody else. And I think we've probably already seen that. Like the truth is, if he wasn't Scott Frost, he probably is not here today. Frankly, um, and probably doesn't have the extension that makes it difficult to get him out moving forward. So what does that leave us with? There aren't really any good answers. There aren't really good any any good answers for for the for what's facing this program, this proud program that's that's used to competing for championships, certainly used to going to bowl games and 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 being a a relevant team in college football, and they're not, and they haven't been for a long time. You know, I think that the the tough thing. You have to accept, regardless of what you want to have happen, you have to accept that that's where we're at. The Cornhuskers are an irrelevant football team for now. And for, for, for a while, like, with that's, that's just where it is. Like, that's where we are. They're not a relevant football team, and they haven't been for a long time. You know, the 90s are getting farther and farther away. Um, and even Bo Pelini's years are, are, are far behind us at this point. You know, I've sat here on this podcast talking about the 2012 season. You know, that's basically, that's a decade ago. Since then, Nebraska has not been a relevant team. Um, So what can you do with that? I mean, there's nothing that, that, that as fans we can do. What we can do as fans is continue to sign up for season tickets and, and, and hope that this thing gets turned around. My personal take and and I tend to be of a, a a bit of a frost apologist, and and there's a couple reasons for that. The, my main thing right now is nothing to do with loyalty to Scott or, or him being a part of this program or wanting to you know believing in him. But it mostly has to do with is just the fact that I if I thought I could go hire a better coach, I think at this point I would do it. I don't think I can do. I don't think that the Huskers can do that, and I think that. Even if they could, the program's going to take a step back in the transition. And it just feels like we're just starting to kind of put some stuff together. And I just, I just want to keep, I don't want to take any steps back from where we are. Cause where we are is terrible. It's we're one in six right now in big 10 play. I don't want to take a step back from that. I think that Nebraska fans that are telling themselves that if they hire another coach, We'd all of a sudden have we that would have turned it around and we would have won six games this year. That that's the problem. It just isn't. I think that there's we're continuing to head to 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 give in to a line of thinking that's just like when we don't like what happens, someone's got to pay. This retributionist attitude that has kind of dominated the our our Husker culture since Frank Solich was fired. It's just like I just am dissatisfied with what is going with what happened, and somebody's got to pay for that dissatisfaction. I mean, that's just what it is, and, and and we just don't see that every time we've done that, Frank Solich to Callahan program takes a step back. We take a small step forward with Pelini for a period of time, dissatisfied because we're getting blown out. Even though we got we, in the games that matter, we're getting blown out. 
So it doesn't matter that we're winning nine games a year. I mean, that's laughable today. We don't even we're winning one out of of seven games in the conference so far this year. We used to win nine games a year under Polini after already having made this mistake. And then we got rid of him. We haven't beaten Iowa since we got rid of him. Like that, I don't want to do that again. And and maybe it's not. Maybe Frost is the problem and, you know, it's not all these other things. But the, the, the truth, you see the trend. I mean, Scott took over a program. That was honestly horrible. I mean, it was the worst for the, the, the last year of Mike Riley was the worst I've ever seen the Huskers play. And there were times when Scott initially in those early games of the, of his first year in the 2018 season, they kind of, they looked bad still. They looked really bad. I don't know that they look really bad today. They, I mean, actually, I don't know why I'm saying that they do not look really bad today. They, look like they have some things that are very frustrating that need to be cleaned up in order to, to, to not shoot themselves. And honestly, a lot of it is cultural. I really feel like a lot of it is cultural. I remember during the Purdue game, Purdue got the ball back up, up four. And I said at that moment, I said the, the difference between Nebraska and Purdue is it's the fourth quarter. Purdue knows that they need to go down the field and score. And if they do, they're going to probably win the game. So they're going to do everything they can to get that done. I don't think Nebraska has that instinct that put your foot on their throat and finish them instinct to finish games. And I think that's why these one, these close games have kind of gone the way that they have because I think they're I think Nebraska has that mode kind of kick in at a point. And maybe it's the quarterback. I mean, maybe it is Adrian solely by himself. I'm not sure. It's it's tough to know who who it is, but like when we needed it, like we're down eleven, like the game's kinda out of sight. Like all of a sudden that kicks in and you know, on the final drive, we just drive right down the field and score. And then we're looking for our onside kick. Try to like, you know, to for some reason we feel like we're the underdog or that there's no chance or it's out of sight. We got the ability. But like when the game is on the line and you got to make like you have to just push. I said it in the Michigan State game. It's right there. Go take it. All we needed in that Michigan State game were up seven. You, you need a field goal to win the game. It's the fourth second half of the fourth quarter. Any score at this point will probably seal the game. And they just couldn't, I just said, it's right there on the table. The win is right there. Go take it. And they haven't been able to do that. They just haven't been able to do that. I think it's the kind of thing you learn to do as a team. And this team, just after the last four years, has not learned to do that. Yeah, I don't want to overstep here, but I really thought... This year it would pop, and and we've been so close. When you're so close and you don't get it done, you know that unfortunately you you, you have a, a mindset when we got here that we've been beat a lot. And um, winning's a habit, losing's a habit. Um, trying to break that cycle just takes some a few wins in a row and some momentum and and a little more belief. 
the kids believe, but you really believe when, when it happens. And um, gosh, we've been so close. I just want to see it happen for these guys. Ultimately, the future of Scott's career here as a coach is going to be decided at a later date. You know, I, sometimes I think about Bill Moose extending a losing coach, and now obviously he's no longer here. But, you know, he'll he'll go down in history, Husker history, as either being the guy that saved us from ourselves because, I mean, it put us in a weird position. It's hard to get rid of a guy, pay him $20 million. It's hard to get rid of a former star quarterback from, from the 90s and also have to pay him $20 million. So I think Scott probably stays on next year, but that's that's all going to be decided that, you know, that's that's not – we've still got three weeks left here. So as Scott said in that kind of – in that statement, learning to win, putting a few together here at the end, that's all we can hope for is that, that – that, I mean, I don't think we should be hoping for them to win all three of these games. I think that would be a little – you know, I, I don't think – I'm not sure they're capable of doing that. You know, they've certainly looked at times capable of it, but they I don't think they know how to win enough to win those games. But they could perhaps get one of these wins or two of these wins and – I think that would mean something. Get a couple ranked wins to end the year and maybe start next year off on a different note. You know, last year ended with an ugly win, an ugly, ugly win against Rutgers where Martinez turned it over four times and, you know, and we and we found ways in, in the offseason in the fall camp to turn that into, look, we had 600 yards offense and it could all be better this year. I would love to see them go and stun Ohio State this weekend. I mean, obviously I would love that. Or or beat Wisconsin on the road. Or beat Iowa and end the year beating Iowa. Something that hasn't happened since Pelini was here. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, we're sitting here looking at all these one-loss games. No one's brought up the fact that maybe we're cursed. Maybe we're cursed by Bo Pelini, the guy who that, we, that coached our team, that won nine games a year, and that somehow wasn't good enough. And, and so now here we are having, we and since then he got fired the day after he beat Iowa. And since that day, we have been unable to beat Iowa. If we could beat Iowa, that would be, that would be still something to, to hang our hat on here because whether Scott's the coach next year or not, like we need to be able to, to move forward. And, and, and Scott knows, like we, we know what's coming in. Scott talked about this during his press conference. Like what makes Ohio State tough? He's like, oh, I don't know. Like the all of the NFL talent that, that that comes, you have to play a perfect game. You have to execute and like and take when you have the ball. Like you need to take your advantage of that and score points when that happens. And you need to be airtight on your responsibilities on defense because the truth is they can kind of just beat you with their talent. If you want to have a chance, you have to kind of play your game perfectly. Um or as close to perfect as you can. And that's what they bring in. I mean, they bring in, they've got Olave. Travion Henderson's been their main guy. The rushing attack. Wilson's another great wide receiver, Garrett Wilson. So they, they're going to come in with their with their weapons. They've got some young pieces on defense, a young corner, young linebacker that are, that are shaping out into good pros. Um, but the biggest thing, I think, for the Huskers, if they want to have a chance in this game, which I don't think they have much of one, but if they want to have a chance, um, disrupting C.J. Shroud will be a huge part of that. Freshman quarterback, like, 
just just you know they had a huge I think the biggest hope the Huskers have is that they just had a big game against Penn State uh, they have a little bit of a letdown and sleep on the Huskers a little bit I mean I think everybody sleeps on us but you know that's that that's the best chance they got I don't think they're not going to probably beat Ohio State but playing a good game will go a long way um, although I don't know how long it's going to go because we've played close games with a lot of good teams. It, that doesn't, that's, you know, at the end of the day, no one wants to hear about that. They want to see a win and Wisconsin's another opportunity to get a win. We haven't beaten Wisconsin since, you know, since that 2012 season, we get to play Iowa. We haven't beat them since 2014. So there's, there's some stuff here to, to, to maybe build for the future, regardless of, of whether that future involves frost. But um, at least for the time being, there is a there is a big task knocking at the door. Let's see how the Huskers answer. That's our show for this week. Tune in next week to see how the Huskers manage to lose yet another one score game to the Ohio State Buckeyes. And as always, even in our darkest moments, go Big Red. I was raised in Nebraska, but one time I journeyed south, and the things those Okies said down there made me wipe out a couple of miles. They like their Sooner football, and they don't like the Huskers enough, but I surprised them all when I sang this song. I made them take off and run. You can boast about your victory, tell me all about your team, but when we meet on the football field, your bridges won't be clean. You can brag about the Sooners and sing your old fight song, but don't come across our borderline, cause you knuckleheads don't belong. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.